tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, it's a little rock and roll for you on Saturday morning. This is the Armor Report. I'm your host, Brett Rosenthal. This is a show for all of you who don't know about stock market investing. And we follow a strategy called quantum mental investing. It's a combination of quantitative algorithms, computer systems to help us execute without fear or greed. And we combine that with a fundamental foundation. And that's the information edge that I share with you guys every day I come on this channel. Thanks for joining me. That musical selection by ACDC is a change from our usual Creedence Clearwater selection about running through the jungle, okay? And I chose it for a reason, okay? You got to enjoy it when the getting's good in the stock market. And God knows at the Armour Report, we've been killing it. So let's just all sit back, relax, and enjoy that for a second. All right. Now, there's a lot to unpack. Armour stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. What we're going to talk about today, more or less in this order, are the four um, themes that we've been following that have been getting us more and more and more invested in the market. So I'm going to break down those four. It's the Armour Risk Monitor. It's the Fed buying bonds and everything else under the sun. It's um, um, the COVID treatment. We're going to go over the Gilead story again uh, today. We've been on that story since the 27th of January. Okay? So we're going to go over that again. Um, And the economy opening up. Right? So as these things are happening, we're getting more and more invested in the stock market. So all of you who are armor insiders you already know this because you're on every day on our slack chat for insiders only where we're talking about building portfolios and at the end of the day you can check the armor portfolios balanced aggressive conservative to see what stocks we're buying where we're buying them and what the stop loss rules are for each position when we book profits when we hit targets um, so we've been building these positions for the last month or so as each piece of those four themes falls into place. Okay. So um, I'm then going to jump into the gold story again. We need an update there to talk about what's happening, how this week went and what's going to happen going into next week. And then I'll get to the Q and a. So 
Any questions you might have, just throw it into that message board, and at the end, I'll start reading through them, and we'll you know try to do a um, try to get to as many questions as we can. Look, guys, all the information I'm sharing with you, I use in my own personal portfolio, and for investors I work with through our interactive brokers affiliation. Okay, you could be a subscriber to the Armor Report. I put a link right down here for you, as well as a link to this YouTube channel. Okay. Um, so check that out if you want to be a part of our Slack chat during the trading session so you can see how our trading desk works and how we build portfolios. Um, give me a thumbs up if you like this conversation. Right, so let's get into it. Okay. First order of business. There's a technical change. Maybe that's the wrong word. There's a cosmetic change to the Armour Report risk monitors I want to share with all of you today. I had to make this change. I thought about it overnight. And I said, I, I, I have to do it because it's not making sense. So we have to line up what our portfolios look like with what the risk monitor looks like. So let's discuss this. The Armour Risk Monitor is created by looking at proprietary algorithms that um, – only trade these seven indexes that drive our risk experience in a normal market. Now, that's the key. In a normal market. We've written these algorithms for the fat part of the bell curve, right? So we cut off the tails. God knows the stock market crash we just went through was a tail. Okay, if we use all that data in building algorithms, it would skew the data dramatically. And so while it might be more effective at the bottom of the market crash, it won't be effective at all uh, during 90% of the market activity. Okay. So I've been saying for a month, while that's a very important component of putting money to work for us, I do not expect it to work correctly at the bottom of a crash. And that's absolutely accurate. Right. So let me explain what correctly looks like. We follow seven indexes. The S&P, the Dow, the NASDAQ 100, and the small cap index. We use exchange-traded funds for all of these uh, indexes that we actually manage money with, right? We have one portfolio, and all it does is buy these indexes using the algos, okay? So traditionally, those four big ones and the three sub-indexes, momentum, value, and IBD50, drive our risk decision in most markets, Armor insiders know that in our balanced, conservative, and aggressive accounts, portfolios, we're 80 to 100% invested right now. And we, we did that earlier in the month. We've been building it up, right? A couple weeks ago, we got to that level. And yet the risk monitor's red. So how does that make sense? Okay, so... First of all, here's the news alert, okay? I'm going to change the risk monitor color to yellow because red just doesn't make any sense if we're 80 to 100% long. This is not a buy signal. I'm just cosmetically changing the color because if we go back to 100% cash, that will be a sell signal, and I want you guys to understand that. So here's what's happened. 
The small cap, the momentum, the value, and the IBD 50 are long. So those algorithms are telling us we need to be long the market. The S&P, the NASDAQ, and the Dow were long, got stopped out, then the market skyrocketed. So there's no confluence right now. And traditionally, during normal market environments, what gets us to go green, where we might have even more assets invested, I mean, we'd have conservative accounts 100% long and aggressive, perhaps on margin, Um confluence, particularly of the four big indexes, we want to see at least two of them, and really four of them, moving in unison, because that shows us large institutional capital all going in one direction, and that's when we want to be, have our biggest exposure, okay? So, um, cosmetic change today, changing it to yellow. The reason we can't really get aggressive and say it's green is that, like I said, the big four are not communicating. They're all over the map, which is the type of volatility we're dealing with right now. So it would be um, unfair and unwise for me to tell you, Armour Insiders and Armour YouTube followers, that we're aggressively buying stocks in a market where uh, the volatility rips 3 to 5% every day and different indexes are going in different directions depending on the mood and the whim of the investor. Okay. But I've changed it to yellow, just so you'll understand that if we go back to 100% cash, I'm going to move it to red, and that will be a sell signal for all the positions we have on. Does that make sense? Okay, I hope it does. Um, let's move on. What does our portfolio look like? So you guys can understand who are not Armour Insiders. Again, if you, if you want the granularity of what we own, when we buy these things, how we sell them, Become an insider. You can subscribe. It's right down here. But for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to give you a big picture of what the portfolio looks like. When I say we're 80 to 100% invested, in actuality, we're probably 40, probably 40, no, probably 50 to 30 to 50%. Um, no, 40 to 50 percent invested in stock market stocks. Is that okay? The rest is all precious metals. Those are two completely different investments. So I changed to yellow, the risk monitor, because that's a tepid type of um, market situation. I'm not willing to be 100% in. I'm not willing to be aggressive. I've got 40 to 50% of capital in assets that we manage, my own personal account that are invested in stocks. The rest is invested in precious metals. So a balanced portfolio right now, what's working for us. And we're having a great month. We had a great month in March. We're having a huge month in April. How are we doing it? Large exposure to precious metals, the bullion and our favorite mining companies. Exposure to disruptive growth stocks, parentheses, the new economy. We're looking for companies, fundamentally, whose businesses were already good before COVID-19, where analyst projections for their business growth over the next three to five years have been compressed in the last three to five weeks. Okay, there are businesses out there 
who were already on a growth trajectory that was attractive, that you would want to buy, where the expectations of analysts of revenue and earnings growth over the next three years, let's say, of, of projections have been condensed into the last three to five weeks. You all know what one of those companies are. I talk about it a lot, and it's Slack. Okay, let's take a look just to give you an idea of what's going on. Oh, that's Gilead. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's take a look at Slack, okay? Just so you're aware of this situation, okay? This business is already doing well. We bought the stock right in here around $23.73, okay? The stock is running here, ran up, almost broke out above 30, okay? This is an example of a business, literally. This is not an exaggeration. The, 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 the type of growth in their business that Wall Street expected in the next three to five years is happening in the last three to five weeks. That's a poster child for the type of stock we're looking for, okay? We still use stop losses. We put positions on, on weakness. We don't buy strength. You'll never hear me buying breakouts, never. We buy weakness in the midst of strength. That's why we were paying. Take a look at it again down here, right in here, this green bar right here. Can you guys see this right here? My arrow is that's where we were buying slack. If you're an armor insider, you know this. You know the day we bought it and the price. Okay, the stock ran up last week. Okay, there are other names like that. You got to do your own homework. I'll give you a couple more big examples, right? Amazon, Netflix, okay? Future growth has been compressed into the last three to five weeks, and it will be sticky. Those are the businesses we're looking for. So we've got precious metals in a balanced portfolio, precious metals, disruptive growth. Okay, now here's how you have to balance that. COVID crushed ideas, okay? You've got to put some stocks in your portfolio that have been wrecked by the COVID uh, crisis. Let's parentheses call that old economy. Because as we see the economy come back online, there are going to be some days where those stocks outperform the new economy stocks that are doing great right now. So you want to balance the account. Example. And this is a kind of a ridiculous short-term example. But as you can see here, um, Slack was down the, on, on Friday. I mean, this has got nothing. Look, it was options expiration Friday. So that's probably the reason it was down. But just for the sake of this conversation, Slack was down Friday. Look what was up Friday that's in our portfolio. Okay, Disney. Okay. Disney had a big update Friday. Balances out the portfolio if we have a long position in work. Okay. There's a perfect example of a, an old economy company, big trouble because of COVID, stock down huge, announcements that the economy is going to open up sooner rather than later and blah, blah, blah. That puts that stock up, right? So we're trying to balance the portfolio and that's how we're doing it. So to wrap up this segment, we've gone from red to yellow on the risk monitor. It's more cosmetic than anything else. I felt I had to do that because you know, we're long the portfolio, okay? But we're not index long. And I guess that's the key. When you see me go from red to green on those indexes, you don't even have to select stocks correctly. You could just put capital to work. You can buy the indexes. You can make money, right? But we don't have that environment right now. 
So this is the classic stock picker's market. And you have to build the right portfolio. Precious metals, disruptive growth, new economy, COVID crushed ideas, old economy. Your favorite names creates a balance. Okay? So that's where we are. Um, the four issues that get us to get long the market. So we've already discussed the risk monitor. The Fed, we already know, is buying stocks. We talked about that at the beginning. We said the Fed's got to stabilize the investment-grade corporate bond market. That was the first thing they came out and announced they were going to do. Now they're buying junk bonds, and they're buying treasuries. Although they announced on Friday or Thursday, they're reducing their treasury purchases by 50%, from $30 billion a day to $15 billion a day. That's a good thing, actually. Okay? The markets are starting to right themselves and get normal. Okay? Um, the Fed's also buying commercial loans. Right? So every part of the market, they're liquefying. Okay? And that's just wildly bullish. I, I don't know. It, it's wildly bullish on one hand and very hard to, to deal with as an investment manager and as we manage portfolios together because you never know when the Fed decides to stop doing it. I, I mean, you do. They'll tell you over time, but um, – um, I always feel like the Fed's the buyer of last resort. And so when the market's up enough, the Fed steps away. The market comes down hard, they'll come back in. And we don't want to get caught as it comes down hard. So it's a very hard market to figure out, and it's why I can't get aggressively long indexes. Okay. Um, so the Fed's doing everything we, that's required on our list of four things. Then we've got Gilead. All right, so let's go look at the stock again. I'm sure you all have been watching this, but I want to share something with you. So there's the stock. You can see where we added it to the armor portfolios on the 27th. Okay. And it's, you know, been a, a really wild ride. We, we traded some of it out up here. Okay. Um, I discussed putting on options positions with profits that we had. So some of our portfolios don't have any, my, my personal portfolio, I'm, let me just look at you in the eye when I tell you this. Hold on a second. Okay, I, you all, Armor Insiders know this. I've talked about it ad nauseum. I don't know if everybody on YouTube remembers this conversation. I'm going to go over it again. We bought the stock 63 and change. It went into the 80s. Trump talked about hydrochloroquine that day. I booked personally all of my profit from 63 and change up to the 80s. Okay, and then I've established on weakness an options position. Okay. If this thing implodes and collapses, I'm going to lose money on the options, but net-net, I'll have made money on the whole circus. Okay, so I haven't put all of my profits into the options. I've just put enough of my profits into the options to carry a 15% exposure in my portfolio to the underlying value. What does that mean in options? It doesn't mean I have 15% of my net worth in options. It means that um, if I were to exercise the options and own the stock, it would represent 15% of my net worth. Okay? My normal position size is 5%. Okay? Um, let's go over this real quick. Why was I a buyer in late January of Gilead and Remdesivir? Because when we did our research, you know, this is a combination of quantitative execution and fundamental research. You still have to do the research. But it became apparent to us that remdesivir 
would be the first drug to show efficacy. And if we were right about that, we would make a lot of money on the stock. Okay. So what we saw last week is more data that's coming out proving that research accurate. Here's the caveat. It was 125 people from the University of Chicago that got everyone excited on Thursday night, right? Only one person passed away. Sorry for that family. Um, everybody else walked out of the hospital. That's, that's intense. That's like serious success, right? Then we saw a story late Friday that the NIHD was doing a test in monkeys. I know it's just monkeys, but there's a reason they use monkeys in these tests, right? Animals, it helps corroborate other information. And it was like wildly successful. I, 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 I tweeted this out. So anybody following me on Twitter for stock twits can go click on that and read the story. Okay. My point is there's more and more evidence suggesting remdesivir will, will, will be effective enough for it to be fast-tracked and turned into a drug for a cure. This is important for two reasons. Number one, I've always said when a cure comes out or a treatment comes out, the stock market will go up big that day. Okay, Friday is exhibit A. Announcement, Thursday night, market up 3.5%. Now, everybody's on CNBC. All these smart money managers are you know, bitching and moaning and whining how ridiculous it is for the market to go up on that news. Guys, you know, I don't care if it's ridiculous, not ridiculous. I don't care if it comes from Mars. All I care about is protecting my capital and making money. Okay? And the fact is, treatments will put the stock market up. I don't know for how long. It could just be one day. It could be for a month. I don't know. But I do know when everyone breathes a sigh of relief that there's a treatment out there, the market's going to go up. So it's not a surprise to me or anybody on the trading desk that's been watching these shows or any insider that the market was up when Gilead made that announcement. Now, look, they didn't make the announcement. It was a leak of 125 um, people. For, there's a 400-person trial that has been locked by Gilead, and they will be releasing all that information in the next X amount of days. So of the 125, that was kind of a leaked story. But there's really, it's really a 400-person trial. That's the preliminary results that we're going to see. If those, if, that, if those 400 people results don't corroborate what we just heard on Thursday, A, they're going to kill Gilead stock. So let's be honest here. There's a lot of risk. Okay? And B, stock market will go down. People will be disappointed. Okay? It doesn't have to make sense to you or anybody else on CNBC. It's just the way it is. Okay? Um, I want to be very clear on this show right now. I don't have inside information. I don't know if it's going to be a success. All the research we've done suggests that it's going to be efficacious. Okay. But um, would I recommend people run out and buy the stock right now because hopefully there'll be more good news? Absolutely not. So please let's all remember that. Just one last chance to look at the chart. This green uh, bar, this is where we were buying the stock, 63.82. Okay, we've cauterized our risk. We've booked profits. We own a decent size, I do personally, a decent size options position. And I'm going to let it ride. Either this turns into a massive success and I make a fortune, you know, or I give up that, uh, that option premium and I move on to some other investment. All right, so let's not get too carried away. 
But I do want to share this chart with you and this last thought on Gilead. Okay. It hasn't even started yet, guys. I know the, the, the two conversations I'm having now don't, you know, don't, don't mesh. But if you look at that chart, it hasn't gone anywhere yet. This is a long-term chart. You know, going back to the highs of um, January 2018. Okay? So the stock has a lot more to go if this turns out to be successful and more and more data comes out that's successful. I want to have one more. I want to say one more thing about this and I'll move on. I know a lot of analysts out there have been downgrading the stock. Now, number one, they've been, they, they've been negative on the stock since the mid-60s, okay? So none of them have known what they're talking about all the way up into the 80s, okay? But they had neutral ratings on it, so now they're going to sell. I mean, thanks for nothing. There's one analyst that's getting it right. His, I don't remember his name right now, but it's the ISI Evercore guy. Every time he comes out and makes a comment, he's been dead right about it. So I follow him. If he came out, I don't follow him. I listen to him. But if he came out and said, I'm selling Gilead for some reason, I would really listen to that. Okay? He's not. He's a major bull on the stock. And he thinks it's going to work. And I agree with him. The major uh, reason for downgrades uh, up here in the 80s is that analysts say two things. Number one, the, the, the drug's not going to really be that effective. It only works for, you know, it's intravenous. That's not what you're really looking for. You're looking for, you know, a pill people could take, uh, all this ridiculous stuff. Talk to me about that when the stock's 100, okay? Right now, everyone's scared of COVID-19, and this might cure them if they go to the hospital, okay? The stock will go up on that. It's going up on that. The other drawback from analysts is that they're not going to make any real money on the drug. COVID-19 is not going to make them money. Remdesivir won't make them money. I think that's unbelievably short-sighted. Gilead took a product that was mothballed and has now been able to, com they'll be completing in the next couple months, phase three trials that would normally cost, I don't know, what, a billion dollars in two years to do, and they've condensed it into a couple of months. That sounds like a disruptive growth, new economy story. Those are the investments we're looking for. Okay? I don't care how much money they're going to make on COVID-19, curing COVID-19. I don't care about that. I'll care about that when the stock's 120. Okay? Right now, I think it's short-sighted to think that remdesivir will only cure one coronavirus outbreak. There will be unfortunately, many situations like this going forward. And this drug is an antiviral that helps cure coronavirus. And analysts are quibbling over how much money they're going to make in the next couple of months off the drug. Give me a break. Moving on. Moving on. Um, all right. The fourth, so the fourth thing, we got our treatment. And now the fourth thing of course, is the economy opening up sooner rather than later. And, you know, the rumblings of that's happening. The beaches of Florida are starting to open. You know, people are making fun of us in Florida for going to the beach. Look, man, if I take my board and I go surf for a couple hours, I'm social distancing. There's nobody around me. The ocean's vast. I'm glad they opened it. Okay? I hope people aren't stupid enough to go, you know, start doing cookouts and, you know, having, you know, drum circles. Okay? But um, whatever. So those four things have happened, and it's, as it's happening, 
we've been building our portfolio and our exposure. Okay, moving on. Um, let's just talk about gold real quick, and then I'll get to your questions. Uh, um, a couple of thoughts real quick, off, just off the top of my head. Um, there is absolutely, you can see it happen, there are money management algos that short gold when they're going long uh, the S&P. Okay, so Friday, Thursday, Friday, Gilead story, markets gapping up, sell gold. Let me, let me explain this real quick. There's two um, different forces at play, and you have to decide, and I'm going to decide you know, myself. I'm going to share with you what I'm doing. You have to decide which force you think is going to prevail. There's the safe haven selling force. When the market goes up, there's a cure for COVID, you know, all these things. There's literally a knee-jerk reaction to turn around and sell uh, gold. And we saw that Friday. Okay? Um, so I guess if you thought there's nothing wrong in the world anymore and everything's going to be okay and everything's right, that safe haven selling, which is their selling gold, safe haven, will overwhelm the overall um, bull market structure of supply and demand on their gold. Okay. Um, so you want to sell your gold. I don't think, okay. but that's the argument on Friday. I believe there's an, um, there has been, and there was even before the COVID breakout, a supply demand equation that um, strongly uh, supports higher gold prices. That hasn't changed through COVID, but it's gotten a lot. Well, I shouldn't say that. It has changed. Supply has collapsed because of COVID and demand has skyrocketed. And, and I don't think that kind of thing changes overnight. Even if the markets went back to normal and the economy was normal, there are reasons to be owning precious metals that are going to survive right on through this. That does not preclude selling for a week or two, right? I mean, these things skyrocketed. Okay, so now they're going to sell for a little bit. I don't know if it's going to be a week or two or just a couple of days. But I just wanted to let you guys know where we're at. So we have a short-term influence of everything's okay in the world, so you can sell your safe haven, that puts gold down, with the longer-term uptrend of supply and demand, okay? Um, don't forget, next week, we have six more days until um, uh, futures uh, roll off into the next month right? Options, options expire. Options expire next, uh, next Monday, not this Monday, six days from six trading days from now. And sometimes at the end of the month, and I told you guys this at the end of last month, and it worked like clockwork, gold goes down in the end of the month. Now, there are some months where it goes up right through that, um, um, that typical selling, right? If you're in a real bull market, if you're a short squeeze, it might go up right through the end of the month. That would be a very bullish sign for us. It would tell us that we're getting closer probably to backwardation on prices versus contango, okay? Um, but word to the wise, it wouldn't surprise me if gold is down next week and into the end of the month. I mean, it just happens all the time. So, I don't know, it probably happens nine out of 12 months, okay? So, it wouldn't be a surprise to me. Um, all right. 
Oh, yeah. And I, I told you guys last week that spread between spot gold and futures, which was up around $70 at one point, which should be $2 in a normal market. It's all the way back down to $12, which I told you was going to happen, right? The holiday was over. Okay. And here's the other thing. There's a rumor that UBS is caught short gold. They did not deliver. Now, UBS is one of the seven large bullion banks that's a liquidity, a major liquidity provider in gold. Okay, they're supposed to deliver in the spot market. They did not. There was a failure to deliver in March for UBS. And on Thursday, they were fired by one of the largest um, European-based global institutional buyers. Okay, so there's definitely something broken with UBS. But when you get rid of them from that liquidity um, pool, it does help bring down the spread because people feel more confident that whoever is left can actually deliver in the spot market. Okay. Don't forget, we're expecting that spread, which is positive $12, to go negative before this is all over, where people want their gold now, not in the future. Right. Most commodities trading can tango, meaning in the future, prices are higher than spot. But when um, you get issues of short squeezes, issues of broken markets, issues of um, um, significant demand in the here and now, it goes into backwardation. And we think that will happen before this is all over. And, of course, prices will, will advance on that. Um, all right. That's it for today. I appreciate you guys um, sticking with me through all that. Now let's get to some questions. Let's see what we got for me. All right, Nick, good morning to you, my friend. Do we have any positive uh, movements in the risk monitor? Oh, boom, there it is, right? So we already covered the risk monitor, okay? Um, four of the seven indexes are long and have been for the last couple of days. I haven't talked to you about it in the Slack room. I know, Nick, you're an insider. I, I, I don't want to get... Um, but those algos just trade, right? So that portfolio is trading. But I don't want it to be misconstrued with um, um, real bull market enthusiasm, right? I don't really have a lot of enthusiasm at the moment for the algos that are written for a normal environment, right? So they're all over the place. And I'll get aggressive in the Slack chat, and I'll be aggressive on these videos when everything is in unison, which it will again, right? The market will settle out. We've had a rip off the low. Market probably comes back in. So even though the, the index-only portfolio might be long, the IWM, the FFTY, the momentum and the value, I don't have a high degree of confidence we're going to make any real money in those trades. I mean, we're up now in those trades. But my guess is we'll get stopped out of them at some point. All you need is a wiggle down and we'll be stopped out of them. But that'll set up whenever we get that retest. And it doesn't have to be a test all the way down to the low of March, just a sell off, right? That will put everything in unison. Then the next risk on buy signal will be the signal where the risk monitor tells us now it's time to get aggressive. Okay. And in the meantime, we're stock selecting. Um, cannabis couch, tech monkey, you want to go to the cannabis couch? All right, I'll go to the cannabis couch with you. Uh, truth be told, um, you know, the top of my list Canopy growth, and I listened to the AFRIA conference call last week. I thought that was a great call. I mean, I don't know how they're doing it. They're outperforming every other guy in the space. When the other 
cannabis companies in Canada are puking out inventory. Afri is out there buying up what they're puking out, packaging it up and selling it. So um, Afri is at the top of the whiteboard. Um, canopy growth, right? Um, if you're an Armour Insider, you know what stocks we're buying in here. You can go log in and look at um, the Armour portfolios and you'll see what stocks we own and where. Um, at the end of the day, tech, I think it's just they're searching for a bottom in here. I don't know what the catalyst is to get them to go up a lot. I don't know what the catalyst is to get them to go up a lot yet. But I do feel like they should be in the category of disruptive growth and new economy. You know, so we're looking for a trigger that really breaks them out. And we haven't had it yet, but the consolidation so far is working. All right. Um, do you think PSLV is still a good buy at current price? PSLV. Um, I do. Okay. I mean, let's be clear. Uh, I own, we, own this, we own the stock, my own portfolio, and for Armour uh, Insiders and the Armour portfolios, we own it lower, right? So I don't, you know, the Armour report, um, we have a Armour investing action path. Okay, what is that path? It's basically seven steps. We do our research and put stocks on the whiteboard, or in this case, commodities on the whiteboard. We say we want to own this. The second step is we look for a trigger that will get us involved. And that's the buy point. That buy point is usually buying weakness in the midst of an overall strong pattern. So, Looking long-term, you see a beautiful uptrend and a crash back to the long-term uptrend. There's the weakness in the long-term uptrend. That's what we're looking for, and we look for triggers to get us in. That's two, right, two. Then we have a series of stops and targets, right? So three would be our principal protection stop. We buy something. We have a stop close to where we buy it. The closer, the better to get out if we're wrong. One, two, three. Four is our raised stop. Once the asset goes up enough, we raise our stop. We're not buying it as it goes up. We're already in. Five is our trailed stops. So once it starts to go up a lot, then we start trailing and raising stops to manage the risk on the position. Don't forget, Armour stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. So all that I'm trying to share with you is how to manage a position from investment to profitability in the bank and manage that risk. Okay? And then, um, then of course, we've got targeted exits. When we're up so much on something, where do we book some profit even before it comes down to a trailed stop? Right? Um, so I'm going to... You know, I think I'm going to put together an email for all of you on the seven steps of the armor investing way. Okay. I'm going to put that together for you. You'll see it. Maybe, maybe I'll do this weekend if I get time. Um, so I'm not, I'm not recommending you go buy things up here. I don't do that. I buy them at the buy point and I let it run and I manage the risk. I don't add to it. Um, you know, I don't, I don't add to it, but do I think silver can go up from here? I do. Okay. I'm still long. All right, um, Chris, 90% of cannabis companies have either, either had fraud, accounting issues, flat out lying. How can you 
feel safe with any of these companies. Even the financial filings have errors. It's embarrassing. I, I, look, I don't agree with, I, I don't disagree with you. There's a lot of companies that have accounting improprieties. I'll tell you why I like, for instance, Canopy Growth. They got rid of that management team, right? And they've brought in management from Constellation Brands, multi-billion dollar, you know, wine and beverage company. Okay, so I think that the management team is right. In fact, that's a great point, Chris. When we buy stocks, I really try to, I, I try to focus on companies that have great management teams. And if there's a management team that's weak, and this is why I listen to conference calls all the time. So I want to hear what the, the numbers are for sure. But what I really want to hear is the tone and tenor of the management team. And I want to try to gather information over a series of conference calls to see, do I trust this person or not? Right. Okay. So there are some cannabis companies that I think are run by legitimate people. And I think without a doubt, cannabis is a new economy business that's exploding and it's not slowing down. That's my opinion. And that's why I keep searching for an entry point on the cannabis names. Um, does Afria belong in your whiteboard after seller earnings? Southeastern 99, I just answered that question. Absolutely. It's on the top of the whiteboard. And Chris, to that point, Afria had uh, um, accounting improprieties, um, not really accounting improprieties. People thought they were double dealing over a year ago. That management team is out and there's a new CEO in the company over a year ago. Okay. Um, and not to mention, you know, when all the legal wrangling was said and done, the accounting firms came back and said there was nothing improper about what that management team did. So, but they're all, they're out. There's a new chief executive running the business and he seems to be running it well. All right. Um, <laughs> Chris, thank you for that. If you're not armor insiders, you're insane. I appreciate that, my friend. Um, oops. Uh, okay. Um, hi, Brett. Uh, Albert. This is from Albert. Uh, did you get a chance to check on INSG? And Okay. I did. I thought INSG should be on uh, the whiteboard somewhere, although the stock has, of course, run away from me. So um, this, I'm certainly not buying it in here. I buy weakness in the midst of strength, right? And so um, God knows, and this is the chart, Albert, right, of INSG. The stock has skyrocketed, okay? So I'm not going to pay up for the stock, but it's gone on the whiteboard. And so now I have to continue to do research, see if it stays on the whiteboard and buy weakness if we get it. Um, MAXR is not a stock for me. So I don't want to dissuade you, but it doesn't fit my criteria. Um, I also think a great 5G play is a big cap NASDAQ 100 company called Siena. C-I-E-N is the symbol. Uh, tie tech, please create a discord chat room. Not sure what that means. I don't, I don't see anything wrong with Slack. It works. It works for us. So uh, you have to contact me directly if you're an armor insider and let me know what your issues are. I'll be happy to chat with you about it. We can find some other way to communicate. Um, hot palms, ATHX. Let me take a look again. Um, nothing there. 
Lots going on. Big short attacks. Two FDA approvals last week. Possible. Okay, I don't. Secondary offering from Bank of America. Okay, this is a good point. Um, secondary offerings. You know, I talked about this uh, on our last education video about how important one of our favorite uh, ways to buy stocks is to buy secondary offerings when they price. Usually they announce the stock crashes. And then when it prices, we like to buy the stock and we use the we use the low of the day it priced as our stock. Any good secondary should go up once the deal is priced and the low of that day is in. Um, if it takes out the low of that day, it usually means the deal is suspect. Um, but here's how this process really works. I, I had somebody comment on, uh, um, on our last video about this, and he made a very good point. Don't try that on small biotechs. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So let me, let me uh, frame this better for you. Buying secondaries after they price only works for businesses that are doing a secondary because their growth is so phenomenal, they need more capital to capture more of it. Okay? That's the story Wall Street institutions want to hear. The CEO goes on a roadshow. So they, this is how it works. They announce a deal. Stock drops 15% on average. They then go on a roadshow for a couple days, a week, or a month, telling their story. You want that story that they're telling to be exciting and explosive. You want them to say, our business is booming. And in order for me to, us to capture it all, we need this capital to expand. Okay? And that's the story you want to buy. The reason it doesn't work when, you're, when you see biotech, small biotech secondaries, because biotech guys are a black hole until they come up with a drug that works. They're just, you just keep throwing money into a sinkhole for biotech, small biotechs, okay? So it doesn't work on everything. I don't just go buy stuff because there's a secondary and the stock's down. It has to be a story that's going to ring true to institutional buyers. And then we want in because we know they're, the institution's buying some on the deal and buying more in the aftermarket. You want an oversubscribed deal where the institutions don't get all they want. They get a piece and then they want to buy more because they've just heard an incredible story on the roadshow. That's what works. All right. Um, Nicholas, precious metal stocks have reached new highs with GDX. 30-ish. What kind of catalyst do you need to break down through and push higher? Should we be cautious here? So are you saying that some of the precious metal stocks have reached new highs and GDX hasn't? Is that your question, perhaps? Um, well, I, you know, let me, let, me say, let me say this once again. First of all, we're buying select precious metal stocks. I'm not long GDX. In fact, and I know you know this because you're an, in, an insider, so you're in the Slack room with us. I use GDX to short intraday to defend my other precious metals mining companies. So we think in this market, stock selection is incredibly important. In this world economy, I don't want to own ETFs. I want to own the best stocks in the business and use the ETFs to hedge if I think I need to hedge, right? It's not a pair trade. I don't do both, although maybe you could, but I don't do that. I'm not pair trading, but what I'm doing is intraday 
If I feel I need to defend my portfolio, I use the ETF as the short. Same is true, by the way, for cannabis because of the, because of the comments Chris made, right? I don't want to own MJ. But I'll take a shot in some of the best names and I'll short MJ if I have to to protect myself. Um, and should I be cautious now? Yeah, I, look, after any big run, you can be cautious, right? You've had a huge run. In fact, Armor Insiders know this. We booked profits at Target's last week on all of our precious metals positions. We took a piece off because they were up so much. And now what we're going to want to do is put that piece back on if we get weakness next week leading into the end of the month, which will be typical. Okay, if we don't get the weakness, we're not going to add it back. All right. Um, okay, PLNHF, before fun times, I don't I, – that sounds like a pink sheet stock, and I'm not going to uh, discuss that. I don't, I don't usually um, – in fact, I never get involved in, in, uh, in pink sheets, okay? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to touch that stock. You can feel free to do it yourself, but I wouldn't discuss it on my YouTube channel. Unwilling participant, what's number seven? <laughs> I, I'm going to write... I'm going to write that email for you. So if you're not a subscriber already, go to the armorreport.com. We have a free email armor alerts that we send out. Subscribe if you want to the free version, right? All the armor insiders get the reports, obviously. But as a free, um, on, on, the, on the free subscription, if you sign up for that email, what I'll do is put together a list of these seven steps we take to manage a position from birth to profit um, uh, and I'll, and I'll write them all out. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Emil. Hi, Brett. In the book, how to make money in stocks. They talk about IBD a lot. Are you using some of the resources? Do you see benefits in using their rating system? Absolutely. It's a great way for any beginner to start ordering their thinking and building their white, uh, their whiteboard. Absolutely. Great question. Um, in fact, I've subscribed to the newsletters. So I'm a subscriber to IBD.com. And I don't, there's nothing wrong with using the, 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 um, the rating system. I think it's a great way for a beginner to, to start to differentiate um, or separate the wheat from the chaff, right? Um, and I just subscribe to their newsletters. So every morning I get three or four letters in, the, in my mailbox telling me all the changes, all the important changes to any of their uh, portfolios and I get to really stay on top of everything. Um, so I love it. So uh, I, I would recommend it. And, and for um, full disclosure, I don't get paid or anything from IBD. I just think it's great. Alexander, the future price of WTI is up, but the spot price was down on Friday. Why? Futures price is up. Spot price is down. I don't, I, I don't, I know more about the precious metals market and I know almost nothing about the oil market. So I don't want to speak out of turn, but I would say that most commodities trade like that, right? The futures price is priced higher. That's called contango. You want futures to be traded higher than spot. I can't really talk about it because I don't know. 
I mean, for instance, gold, I know usually trades within a $2 spread between the front futures month and the spot. I don't know what, you know, oil trades at. So I can't answer that question directly, but I would say there's nothing wrong with futures trading higher than spot. Um, spot price was down on Friday. Um, I don't know, you know, could, it could just be something like, um, you know, I don't want to speculate. I really don't know. I try to just share information when I have edge and I don't, I don't have edge there. Sorry about that. All right. Um, Nick, any thoughts on solar stocks? I don't. I don't have any thoughts on solar stocks, particularly not when the price of energy is collapsing. So other than the fact that people might want to save the world and use solar, um, I think what you really need is high energy prices to drive people into solar. So I just, I could be wrong about that. I'm just giving you a big picture thought in my mind. I don't really follow those stocks. Hot palms. Okay. Thank you for, oh, it's okay. Okay. Hot Palms is talking about um, um, the secondary. Okay. So you can all go look at the stock. It's just, and I might take a peek at it for you, but it's not usually my, my cup of tea. Okay. Brad, you guys like REITs. Um, this is going to come down to opportunity cost of money. That's how I'd answer the question. A balanced portfolio for me right now is precious metals, disruptive growth, new economy stocks, and COVID crushed ideas. Now, you could say REITs fall into the COVID crushed ideas. My problem there is I really don't know what REIT um, is going to pay what dividend right now. Um, and typically coming out of a massive collapse in the stock market and an economic implosion, while you can make money in REITs, and I saw utilities going up. You can make money in utilities. Statistically speaking, over decades, you make so much more money in disruptive growth stocks coming out of a crash and an economic implosion than you do on dividend-paying assets. So it's an opportunity cost of money for me. I wouldn't dissuade you. There are some names on my list, my whiteboard, that are REITs but they just haven't been able to fight into the lineup right now. You know what I mean? That's where I'm at. Um, all right. I think that's it guys. I think we're done for the day. All right, guys, listen, I appreciate your time with me. It always helps me out. It makes me a better trader. So thank you guys so much for being a part of this. But oh, one more question from tech monkey. Do you think the market is going to dip after two quarter GDP reports? Or do you think, Okay, I, Tech Monkey, GDP's got nothing to do with why the market's going up. Nothing. It never does, quite frankly. Never does. You can just strike that off your list of concerns. The markets go up and down because of liquidity. If the Fed is adding liquidity, the markets go up, right? If the Fed's reducing liquidity, the market goes down. So it's almost the reverse of what you're asking me. If GDP continues to collapse, then the Fed has to continue adding liquidity, which equals a higher stock market. So it's almost perverse. If we had explosive GDP, I would be afraid of the stock market. I know that sounds weird, but that's just how it works. Because an explosive 
GDP means the Fed can stop adding liquidity and start raising interest rates. And the market players will sniff that out and the market will start breaking down. Literally, when we have explosive GDP numbers, I'll be selling stocks. Okay. Hey, Nick, you're waiting for the education video. I appreciate that. Uh, anybody who has an idea of what they'd like me to talk about on these education videos, I have my own ideas, but feel free to let me know. I know, Nick, you're a, an insider. So, you know, let me know in the Slack room if there's something on your mind you wish I would clarify, and we'll make that a video, okay? Is buying a put option? Okay, I got to go. This is the last question. Brad's asking, is buying a put option considered a, uh, um, a short? Absolutely, right? I mean, if I'm buying puts on uh, a small cap index, let's say, to hedge my portfolio and the market goes down big, I make a lot of money on the puts. It's just like shorting the market. So, absolutely. Uh, NXE and CCJ, no, no opinion on that. I'll have to look into it and get back to you. No, no opinion on those guys. All right. All right, guys, have a great weekend. Thanks for being here. Don't forget to give me a like. It really helps me. And let me hear some comments, guys. I know you're asking me comments here, but if there's other stuff that comes into your mind that I haven't gotten to, just ask me right here down in the you know, uh, comment section, and I'll answer questions you know, throughout the weekend if you've got them. Okay? You guys take care. Have a safe weekend. And enjoy yourself out there if uh, you're able to go to the beach.